Well, hello there, folks. Welcome to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch to Podium. My name is Samuel Arora, and on this episode of the Turkish GP Review, we talk about a lot of things. There are genuinely so many topics that we have to discuss, and they range from Valtteri Bottas's tremendous World Porridge Day tribute, more on Mercedes' strategist call with Lewis Hamilton, and why did they box when they did and also why did the surface in Turkey not dry we also discussed the championship context ending up from this race weekend and was Red Bull Racing's weekend good enough why did McLaren not look so promising what about Pierre Gasly what about all the drivers in the midfield and everything else all of this on this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits to Podium Hi there folks, welcome back in. We're back finally after not having a preview unfortunately early on this weekend but a, a good weekend on the whole one might say and we're joined of course as always by the former marketing head of the Force India Formula 1 team in Kunal Shah to tell us more about it and to give his amazing perspective as always. Kunal, your thoughts on the race weekend? Bit of a decent one on the whole, no? Well, firstly... We need we need to sort of clarify why we didn't really have a preview episode. Yes. Somil had a family emergency which he had to attend. Okay, let's hold it. We will let Formula One try and entertain us while you wait for our entertainment on a Sunday night. So, uh, for everyone who was waiting and refreshing the feed, you know, you, <laughs> you know, your millions out there, you know, apologies for that. But here we go. We are back. Mm. And Somil, before we actually look at look back at the race. I just have to ask you this one question. Uh-huh. Imagine we didn't do the preview, but what was the one thing that you were really looking out for uh, this weekend of the Turkish Grand Prix? And now imagine that this is like the preview episode. One question. Let's spend a minute asking <laughs> each other that. Yeah. Uh, so this is without hindsight. So let, let's try and keep hindsight and throw it into the bin and pretend as if Sunday didn't even happen at all. So from the perspective of Thursday, I was genuinely looking forward to an upset in Turkey. Last year, I was very amazed to see what Racing Point were able to do, all things considered. And I had this on the top of my list saying, okay, watch out for some sort of upset this weekend. Maybe if not Racing Point or Aston Martin in there, guys, perhaps something from Ferrari. Perhaps maybe Sergio Perez having a good weekend. You know what's happened there on that part. But still, Kunal, uh, what is your one thing to look forward to? Well, you know, you said Aston Martin, and I'm going to just expand on that. Uh-huh. I was looking forward to the Aston Martin safety car in action at some point, and not because I wanted safety cars in, in the broadcast, but just because the the irony of the fact still, you know, weighs in on me. And again, I'm not being any political, but just stating it as, you know, as, as I read it, the FIS medical car driver, Alan Van de Merv, as we know him, right? He is apparently anti, uh, he's an anti-vaxxer. So that's a bit of a, I don't know, it's it's no. a bit of an irony for me, okay? The, that the FI medical car driver is anti-vaccine. Again, I'm not saying you should be or you shouldn't be, not saying, you know, everyone has their own choice. But so yeah. what I was looking forward to is that Alan wasn't in the car as was the doctor who's with him, Dr. Roberts, if I remember correctly. And the FIA brought in the Formula E medical car drivers to drive in for this weekend so i was actually looking forward to that it's like one of the 
the best uh, F Formula E to Formula One success stories in recent times. We also what happened to Alex <laughs> Albin. Of course, he didn't drive in in Formula E, and you know, so on. But yeah, just uh, that was one thing I was looking forward to very much. But <laughs> that just takes me takes me to the race. I'm going to ask you how was how was the Turkish Grand Prix? How what was standing out? What were your highlights? And now I know I'm playing the Samuel Arora role out here. Yeah. No, actually, one second. I have to say this. Probably the the medical car drivers might be having a little bit more fun in whatever driving they did, which was not much in the race, as we found out. But surely, right? Watch uh, driving an Aston Martin Vantage is better than driving that silly little mini, whatever that is. No, not not putting shade on Formula E, but that's just not a car you'd want to drive, right? As a medical car driver. But coming back to the weekend, Kunal, there was. Not much, to be honest. So when I when I saw when I saw the rain, when I saw the drama, all the intermediates, my, my dad had went had gone for a bath. So for the last five minutes, sir, I was like, "Come back in quickly! It doesn't matter how much you bathe, just come back and see. It's it's a wet race. It's going to be fun." But we know how that went, and it we it just turned out to be very interesting that Sebastian Vettel in this race was the first person to take a slick tire pit stop at Istanbul Park since uh since the last decade in formula 1 crazily <laughs> enough believe it or actually, not actually right i yeah that's a very interesting statistic who was the last driver to take slicks at a race uh, you know at istanbul park in the last decade and the answer is sebastian vettel ladies yeah. and gentlemen when you're in a bar or when you're in a in a formula 1 quiz could be anywhere in the world it could be a cafe for all we know yeah. please remember if this question comes out because people like samuel arora who hosts such fan meets will remember such questions <laughs> i am the last one to remember answers to such a thing samuel but but you've me, dug yeah, out a yes. few good ones you've dug out a few good ones for this race which we shall come to though <laughs> I have you know the strange thing is I remember them for the podcast because I write them down in my notebook right <laughs> and then I just overwrite them every time a race passes by but yes well no safety car all 20 drivers uh finished the race for the third time in 2021 so we've had an epic season but we've also seen all 20 drivers finish the race no virtual safety car mm. uh we had we had the hard drivers actually battle each other because you know mick schumacher was spun around by by fernando alonso but you know that move that mick made on mazepin was clean we had mazepin blocking people but nothing <laughs> of that sort also sort of led to uh you know a vsc or a yellow flag or something any kind of stop it so that was that then It just goes to show you know each time we say hey here's a wet race and it's definitely going to be an entertaining one or here's a damp race uh doesn't always deliver an entertainer or a blockbuster entertainer yeah. we sort of had a reverse grid as well you know lewis hamilton starting p11 and then carlos sainz of course at the back of the grid so reverse grids also don't necessarily give the best kind of races well in that case maybe if you consider hamilton's race it was a lot of fun trying to see what he would do or what mercedes would do which you know we will sort of decord so all in all it was it was fairly an okay race and the turkish grand prix you know makes me ask a wider question which i think you and i are the only ones in the whole world of formula 1 mm-hmm. asking on a very public stage are the pirelli inter tires the best tires or are they yeah. even racing tires to go on should they be used in any form of motor on track should they even be reused yeah. on road because 
I don't know. It's just, you know, Alex Jakes, uh, you know, who's of course commentating on, on Channel 4 and Formula 2 and the likes and yeah. very, very, uh, you know, learned. He said something very interesting. The new Inters had too much rubber on them. So they were drifting. Then the Inters that actually worked was when you ran them down and cooled the tires a little mm. bit. But if you used up more rubber, you were basically just, you know, your tires were short. So I don't know what's our, what sort of talent a driver then needs yeah. to you know, fall between that line or whatever. And, you know, tire management, race management was was all that we saw pretty much all race. And wasn't it last year when Lewis Hamilton and Sergio Perez were actually able to put this complex mess of a strategy, which involved them starting out on intermediates and turning into slicks without going into the pit lane even once, just by wearing out the tires. And that came, of course, with a complex mixture of a very, very slippery circuit, which we didn't have this time out. And let's actually get to the surface and all of that in depth. But we have to talk about Valtteri Bottas first, right? I, I think it's only fair that we discuss that after we discuss Bottas's tremendous victory. So on days like this, Kunal, you really wonder that, well, this guy could have been so much better, man. This guy just could have been so, so good. And he was that good today. One might say, well, he didn't win on merit because Lewis Hamilton got a penalty. Well, yes, he did. We will discuss the penalty in a little bit for the engine change because that's a very strategic move in the championship. But what do you have to say about Bottas? Now, I, you suggested the creative title that he's giving a World Porridge Day tribute and man, has he gone in there and smashed it. Not the he porridge. It. That'll, that'll be dirty, but still. <laughs> you don't want to smash well, porridge. You want to eat it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I'm sure, you know, Mercedes is going to, sort of say, hey, he had his porridge right on Sunday and whatever temperature he had it on worked for him. But I think it's it's great it's great for Valtteri because, uh, you know, he was looking at an embarrassing uh, second winless season with Mercedes. Remember 2018, he didn't have a win either. So he scored a win. Of course, Hamilton starting P11 helped Valtteri's prospects, but he got pole. He started, uh, you know, well, he kept the lead of the race pretty much throughout. And then he also got the fastest lap of the race. So fantastic for Valtteri Bottas. He, of course, said, you know, something has changed after Monza and he's driving carefree. And we all know what happened in the days leading up to Monza. It was announced that he would be leaving Mercedes and joining Alfa Romeo. So some sort of weight really taken off his shoulders, it seems, and he's enjoying his, his driving. And, you know, in 2020, the Turkish Grand Prix was actually Bottas's worst race or one of his worst, right. one of the worst races of his career. He had six spins and he was P14 and he kept saying this in his post-race conferences, trying to, you know, override people's memory of 2020 was for him. In 2021, he drove a commanding race at the front, I would say. He was unchallenged pretty much. And uh, I, I have I have two two very, you know, Great things to say after which, uh, you know, I'm happy to hear your thoughts, Samuel. The first is, in the last four races, Valtteri Bottas has scored more points than any other driver on the grid. He scored 69 points. Uh, Max Verstappen has got 63 and Lewis Hamilton has got 54. So that's the math. And the second is, uh, the 2021 Turkish Grand Prix was one of those few rare races and probably you will know if it was the only race this season or not. But yes, this was the only race where uh, the number two drivers actually came to the assistance of Hamilton and Verstappen. That's right. Sommel. That, that's actually right. 
<laughs> it's been a funny role for the number two drivers so far this year where on paper it may appear like they're helping but for the team's championship it's not quite been like that but Bottas that was just tremendous today and the important point of redemption from last year that is so superb there was this one amazing comic that the Lollipop Man F1 comic made so if you if you've got the time after this episode do go and check it out about about how Bottas was spinning around last year we saw Hamilton dancing and gliding to the Istanbul Constantinople song and Bottas was spinning on his head to see that and to see how Bottas drove this year with confidence with composure everywhere that's the kind of races that Valtteri Bottas puts in and you want to see drivers drive carefully that's that's potentially the Bottas we will see next year with Alfa Romeo so maybe it's good times ahead for Valtteri Bottas later on in that but on the other side of the garage uh, Lewis for Lewis I mean to say was just drama chaos things that always seem dramatic when Lewis Hamilton is not able to succeed. And what I'm really intrigued to see, Kunal, in this case was, why did Mercedes leave the call later? Now, all the other teams were assertive. Red Bull were assertive that you've got a box. Mercedes were assertive for Bottas that you've got a pit. Now, in these cases, of course, in, in conditions that are wet-dry, the ultimate call partly lies to the driver because, of course, they are the ones who can feel what is going on. But who can, can you even blame anyone for this call in this case? I think it was just they, they backed an approach that didn't quite work out. And so all this complaining, all the drama that we see might be termed as characteristic of Lewis Hamilton in a way, but just what it is, right? No, nobody wants to be the father of failure in a way. That's so well said, Samuel. You know, and there's this court going, uh, doing the rounds on a social media and it's pretty much going to show up on everyone's feed if it already hasn't. Is uh-huh. Lewis was, you know, saying that if Esteban could pull off a zero-stop strategy, he could have done it as well. And I think maybe Lewis's quote was taken out of context. Maybe Mercedes' strategy and the way they saw it is not being explained in context. And let's try and put a couple of minutes to doing exactly that, Samuel. Now, hmm. Uh, two two things in my mind. There's always two things. Everyone who's you know avid <laughs> listeners of ours would say, the first is you know this is not a season where Mercedes is at their dominant best. We know that. I'm not going to explain that further. Right? Had it been one of those kind of seasons, Mercedes could have just sort of played that kind of a role and said, let's just try. Uh, and see if our luck stretches out and let's see if Lewis gets lucky and he can pull the zero stopper because the only one challenging him was Valtteri Bottas, as we know, right? Uh, But that's not the case anymore. And then the second thing, which I've almost forgotten now, was that, yes, it's back in my mind. Yeah, I think Mercedes were right in trying to uh, play it safe. Uh, Six races remain in the season, right? I think Mercedes's play safe strategy uh, can be seen in two things they saw. Again, two being the favorite number. First was very much in uh, the engine penalty that they took uh, for this weekend, uh, the 10 place grid penalty for Lewis. Uh, and we will debate whether it was the right thing to do or not later on. But yeah, that was one. And the number two was, uh, you know, getting Lewis to pit because I think Mercedes's simulations would have shown that Lewis would have lost. Uh, points and lost positions either way had he pitted or had he stayed out and Mercedes just chose uh, to dis- chose and made a decision to sort of pit because they would have seen that he loses least number of points by pitting that's the way I, I sort of read it and since everyone's you know harping about Ocon and oh my god he could do it 
you know, Ocon lost 50 seconds in the last 10 laps to Carlos Sainz Jr. After Carlos Sainz overtook him, he was literally four to five seconds a lap quicker. And if anything, Mercedes would have all the data to prove to Lewis Hamilton that he should have actually pitted earlier when they were calling him in and he was sort of debating their call. And I think it's great that drivers debate these calls because the drivers drive on gut feeling, right? And they, they, they make a lot of these calls on gut. But I think in today's race, it was literally about pitting a little earlier. So your tires would go through the whole graining phase and then they mm. sort of come alive, allowing you to attack later. You're right. Uh, Kunal and I just checked the data right before the race, uh, not right before the race ended, but right, right before we started recording this episode. Two seconds per lap for two laps was the average graining phase that you got eventually. It suffered by Leclerc, suffered by Hamilton. And after that, he just didn't have enough time to catch on to the cars ahead of him. So maybe boxing in earlier could have helped out with something quite like that. But again, it happens on gut, it happens on instinct. It is what it is. But uh, in terms of the surface, Kunal, why was the zero stop even a possibility? Let, let's get to Hamilton's engine and all that decision in one second. But I was confused because no, I mean, of course, there was no rain coming in. We were on intermediate tires, which are supposedly very good at uh, putting away water to the side. So clearing up the track in a sense. And this was a slightly grippier surface. And so Turkey, of course, is also a circuit with good drainage, considering it's an FIA grade one circuit per se. So... Well, why did we not see a dry line appear until the very last laps or so? Why was it still good enough for intermediates, even though it wasn't raining at all in Istanbul Park? That's a, ve- that's, a, that's a very interesting question. And one of the reasons, or rather, again, two reasons, I'm going to stick to uh-huh. the number two, right? Since number two drivers came to the fore uh, this weekend. First was it was extremely cloudy and overcast, as we saw. And the second, there was a lot of moisture in the air. So even though there wasn't any rain, the water was just not evaporating and, you know, sort of clearing itself from the circuit. So it wasn't that there was standing water per se, apart from a couple of places on the track, but again, very few. It was just that the circuit surface remained just extremely damp. And that was that. And why could a zero stop strategy work? The simple reason for that is it could work because Pirelli said it wouldn't work. Right. And the minute Pirelli (laughs) says that, the team say, you know what, Pirelli, here you go. You don't know how well we can tell our drivers to manage their tires. And that's what they all did. And every single driver said it was a race of extreme tire management. We did a lot of race tire management, and that's what it was all about. That's why we could see a zero stop strategy out there with Esteban Ocon. By the way, Alfa Romeo said there is no way it's going to happen. Kimi Raikkonen came in and said, well, why did you box me in? So you might want to see what's happening right there. Maybe they tried to go a bit too pragmatic, but it's good that they didn't go the Sebastian Vettel way, which was just maybe going for slicks, I don't know, two hours too early. Maybe because at this stage it might be a bit dry at Istanbul Park, but it was what it was. But coming back to Lewis, coming back to the engine penalties, and I suppose, Kunal, It has to be that eat that frog approach, if you know what I mean, that uh, do the hardest thing first, don't carry any liability into the rest of the season and finish it off. Don't carry any burden in. So that's maybe why Mercedes said, right, let's let's just do what what we have to do later on. Let's just get the engine penalty out of the way and let's focus on things objectively. And all things considered, damage limitation, yes. Could have been slightly better had they boxed in earlier, but not too bad, I would say. 
you know i this is what i love about us uh, formula 1 fans and presenters and stuff okay mm-hmm. uh if mercedes would have won this race with lewis or had they gotten him onto the podium we would have been like oh my god what a master stroke of a strategy they knew they would be strong in turkey so they decided to take the grid penalty and reduce their losses and you know it would have gone down that road i think what you're saying is spot on it's better penalty now if you know you're anyway going to take it then land up in abu dhabi with with uh, a two point gap or you know whichever way and then suddenly be like oh my god now i need to take the penalty that would be an absolute uh, anti climax for me right somil so i'm just glad they took it i think mercedes knew that they would be you know strong enough and to put it very loosely it was like mercedes was driving the 2021 w12 but red bull was racing the rb16 from last year because red bull clearly was struggling at at, uh, at the turkish country right and verstappen had you know balance issues throughout the weekend and p2 ahead of but finishing ahead of lewis was literally the best case scenario he could have always hoped for mercedes would have been wondering if they would have just let lewis take 26 points instead of the you know whatever 10 points that he took and so on but i think they just had to take it uh you know they were hoping for a crazy race uh, i guess because you know when there's a damp race there's a higher chance of uh you know things going crazy i'll i'll actually add something to that when there's a damp race and there's an, a special livery in white chosen by yes. any team that's when a race you know 9 out of 10 times or 9.9 out of 10 times has gone a little crazy so mercedes was banking on a much crazier race and i just think that they had to take the penalty and they took it and maybe we should spend a minute to you know literally talk about these engine penalties somel because in my mm. view i think the teams are not being penalized enough uh when they are using uh more than the number of allocated power units and all the other components yeah. uh you know through the season because the the magic number is 3 as we all know and every single power unit manufacturer has busted that limit everyone's yeah. on to their fourth you know mercedes of course on the fifth with Val, uh, you know valtteri bottas and uh the question is yes you get a great penalty which sort of docks you points in in the drivers and the constructors championship and that indirectly affects your financial earnings from the sport but yeah. could the penalty be more direct in terms of a hit on the overall you know team operating budget for example because mm. right now it's almost certain that i'm going to need four units so i'm going to make a strategic decision but the the rule is to actually you know force teams to finish it within three components and the strange part here is that the teams have written and agreed to these rules somel yeah yeah exactly it's it's like the mumbai local right uh what's happening lately and what's happening for years is that so many people travel daily without a ticket so nowadays the pass costs you say 150 rupees for 250 rupees for the month you don't travel with a pass you get a fine of 900 rupees so you travel for so many months and the ticket collector catches you once in say 6 months your cost is negated you don't mind paying that 900 bucks that one bit because you've already uh, sort of used up the worth of it so it's just like a slap on the wrist it's useless doesn't make any sense so maybe docking it from the from the budget cap would be a smarter idea again here's me sitting in my lovely comfortable leather chair in my bedroom not doing anything working in formula 1 and saying something like this but 
I think you have a point, Kunal. It's just too light a penalty, especially for the front runners. For, for say someone like an Alfa Romeo, someone like a uh, someone like an Alfa Aston Martin. I mean, so that, that's a hard hit for them. But why does it matter to a Hamilton or a Verstappen when they can just fight back so easily when they've got such a gap to all the others in a case like this? Exactly, and you know, had the had the gaps between the field been much narrower, teams would think more than twice before taking grid penalties. Yeah. And one of the reasons they're, of course, taking grid penalties is because they're running their engines in, a more pow- in more powerful modes. They are eating up the durability and the mileage of these engines and so on. So if it means that you need to run three engines, then run lesser power, you know, and you and I sitting here would probably never even know on television what running lesser power would actually, would it take away from the spectacle and so on. But that's that about engine penalties. Hopefully, there is some more sense to this in in the seasons to to come somewhere. And, you know, just to wrap up Hamilton before we move on to Red Bull, uh, you know, yes, Hamilton was running in a podium position. And that's why him finishing P5 hurts a little more for Hamilton fans. But sometimes you just have to settle for P5. You take the points that you get and you live to fight another day. It's probably better to be doing that then suddenly having a massive, you know, uh, you know, 15, 16, 18 point gap that you need to, you know, catch up on over the next six races. And that's what Mercedes chose to do. And I'm sure Lewis will see that, you know, once Mercedes sort of present all their, uh, you know, data and evidence yeah. uh, in, in their debriefs. Yeah, they'll have to say, Lewis, this is why, this is why we did that. This is what we are thinking on lap number eight. This is why we said it to you in this particular way. It is okay. We're a team. You know that stuff happens, right? You just know. But it's good to see that they've always bounced back stronger from this. And Verstappen and Hamilton will still go on to have a tremendous duel. So there's that. But Red Bull Racing, Kunal, they were very, very good this weekend with a with a special livery that wasn't so beautiful in my opinion. Yes, fight me. But all things considered, second and third is not bad. Second and third is really what you want to be doing in a situation like this when Lewis is not doing well. But was it good enough? I come back to your point about teams with white liveries and uh, especially white liveries, I mean to say, in damp races, it always works out well. It works out well if your white livery is good enough. It's, if it's not cramped up with a million sponsors that really take away from it, and it's half done with a blue rear wing, I think you need to do it well. And Red Bull didn't do it well, so it sort of worked out for them. So, maybe. Well, I don't care about liveries. I had my fun designing all of them for Four City, oh, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> and... You know, I, I would say, you know, with Red Bull not having the pace this weekend to fight for the win, coming back with a double podium uh, was perfect for them. Uh, they, they they could have literally every driver of theirs, st- all the way from Sunoda, who was saying, I was trying to keep Lewis behind because I want Max <laughs> to win. You know, Sunoda, Gasly, and Perez, all of them had their attempt at keeping Lewis behind. And I think Perez did a fantastic job of that, you know, defending of Lewis and and sort of helping with that. So uh, to come back with a double podium, to have Checo Perez on the podium as well is is fantastic for for Red Bull Sommel. And I don't think they could have, you know, hoped for more. If you can't fight for a win, at least you come back with, you know, a double podium. So in my mind, Red Bull literally maximized, uh, you know, chances at a race weekend when they weren't really the quickest Sommel. And Technically, they would have been third and fourth and, you know, they would have lost more points uh, to Lewis, but they actually gained points to Lewis. And I think that's a fantastic scenario in in the Drivers' Championship battle for Red Bull. 
Yeah, emphasis on the word maximized. Max was also quite good, all things considered how they worked out. And you're right about that. That is why Red Bull Racing was so overjoyed to see Sergio Perez on the podium as well. And for a second, Gunal, we just have to talk about Sergio Perez's defending because apparently back in India, it was cut out by an advertisement. One word for it, just how good was that? I think it was phenomenal. You know, nobody thought that Checo Perez would be able to defend so well against one of the best uh, overtakers on the grid. Lewis Hamilton is, of course, a phenomenal wheel-to-wheel racer, but especially in the wet, and Checo Perez did amazingly well to keep him behind. And, you know, these instances is where he, you know, proves why Red Bull have kept him, even though he's not getting all the points for them in the Constructors' Championship. I mean, the question could have been asked if Gasly could have defended as well and Albin as well. And again, it's a hypothetical question. But just seeing, you know, Perez do it, it was so much fun. It was actually one of those rare moments when we actually had a wheel-to-wheel battle mm. in the 58 lap race, uh, Somnil. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's how shocked you will be if your cars are as long as, as long as what? Tell me, how long are F1 cars? Let's compare that to something fun. Let's actually compare a McLaren's race to what it could have been potentially because coming in, McLaren were one team that I had my eyes on. And I was saying, well, it could be a road to redemption for Lando Norris. It could be a start of something special, of course, considering how good their past two races were. But Kunal... Simply put, why were McLaren not so good this time out? We will come to Ferrari, by the way, because they did maximize all that they could get from this weekend. You know, quite simply put, the characteristics of the Istanbul Park circuit didn't suit the McLaren. It really penalized the McLaren racing car, and that's what their, you know, Achilles heels was this weekend. And, you know, it probably caught out, not probably, it caught out Daniel Ricciardo a lot more than Lando Norris. And, Again, it was one of those uh, times when I remembered what you say. Should McLaren be considered as, oh. you know, a strong, <laughs> uh, you know, package for every Grand Prix circuit? And yeah, the truth is Red Bull and McLaren both struggled more than anyone expected them, uh, you know, at the race in Turkey. So in my mind, uh, yes, they lost ground to Ferrari and the gap is down to seven and a half points now, which I think is fantastic because Ferrari, new power unit, all the teamwork to get Leclerc into P3, and then Carlos Sainz driving the race of his life to, you know, you know, finish P8. I think, again, you know, it's joy to see Ferrari trying to fight back in, you know, every single way that they can, Samuel. Yeah, Ferrari not being so clumsy this time on. But they were clumsy in one message. Now, before I get to that, I have to mention they were as good as they could have gotten, right? Leclerc tried something, didn't quite work out okay, but the result was quite good eventually. Carlos Sainz, driver of the day, as is the case with anyone who takes a power unit and fights back. So, good job on the front of their drivers. But I I just still can't wrap my head around that silly answer that Ferrari gave back to Charles Leclerc when, of course, he was leading and uh, he was considering. So, okay, what if I don't stop? How much time will I lose? Where will I cycle out at the end of the race? Where will I finish? So, he asked this question. Where will I finish if I don't stop? And Ferrari said, P1 if you keep Bottas behind. Of course, he'll finish P1 if he doesn't, if he keeps. That is silly. Use your mind. And I think they didn't. Uh, they eventually got Charles back in. But it's Ferrari, right? It's the beauty of Ferrari. Just delivering decent results by being clumsy. I like this. Well, philosophy lessons on a damp 
uh, afternoon in Istanbul by Ferrari. That's what, you know, we, we can call that. I think there was another radio message in the free practice sessions with Leclerc where he says, your suggestions don't match my expectations or something like that, right? <laughs> Which is got which went on to become a meme meme in itself. So I'm happy Ferrari score points, but give us meme worthy content. What the flub were you thinking, guys? Of course he'll stay P1 if he keeps Bottas be up. Water is wet. Tell me something else. But the in, in terms of the championship canal, 7.5 points is a very, 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 very good margin. And in the midfield, all the other teams are falling behind. Alpha Tauri couldn't make up much. Alpine couldn't make up much this weekend. Now, of course, as you mentioned with Ocon and all the mess that happened with Fernando Alonso, all things considered, good weekend. I think it was a great weekend. Alonso was unfortunate in getting spun out you know, on, on the opening lap by Gasly. And again, yeah. this is something about Alonso which is so more endearing this time around. As he turned around and said... Gasly's penalty was extremely harsh because I think I agree with that. Gasly was trying to avoid Perez on the inside. And it was just that, you know, three cars going into one and somebody had to crash. And unfortunately for us, it was Alonso. And uh, that was what, you know, just happened there, I guess. And then Alonso driving the way he did into Mick was very, very uncharacteristic. You know, I think he was just really mad at what happened to him. And he said, you know, let me just give it to someone else and... Maybe he thought it was Mazepin and he hit me. <laughs> Who knows? I'm, I'm kidding, guys. Okay, but yeah, just just that. And uh, But since you're talking about Alpine, I have a fantastically funny statistic. Go for it. Esteban Ocon had the second fastest lap of the race. <laughs> uh, sec- second last of the fastest laps of the race. So he was, mm. you know, second from the last, right? Second from the bottom, however you see it. The last was Nikita Mazepin, right? So basically, Nikita Mazepin had two interstints. One was 35 and one was 21 laps long. And he still was one second slower than Ocon, who did 57 laps on those inters. So Uh do the math, guys. FIA might want to check your super license system, maybe, maybe, maybe this is the time where you do that. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Make of it what you will. But I'll also tell you something interesting about Esteban Ocon. First time since 1997 where a driver has actually finished a race without making a pit stop. And that happened when Mika Salo did the 1997 Monaco Grand Prix and finished fifth over there and got points for his team. So that's courtesy of WTF1 that. But yeah, that, that's a that's an interesting one where Ocon can do that and still have his fastest lap faster than Mazepin. Incredible stuff. But one word for the Turkish GP canal before we wrap off. One word if you had to say this. And we've got a lot of fun rounds coming up next. And so what are you looking forward to? Well... I'm looking forward to the tight, you know, title battle that we've got. But uh, just one, you know, thought uh, that's been staying with me, and that is the Turkish Grand Prix was a bit like, you know, we were waiting to see which drivers uh, go through, which driver goes through misery and other sort of, uh, you know, benefit from that. You know, we were like, whose tires are going to go off the cliff? And will that sort of trigger something else? And yeah, again, again, not the best sort of Grand Prix we could have had, I would say, but 2021 has just been that kind of a season. You know, we all expected it to be 2020 version two. We never thought that 
Lewis would be challenged to this effect uh, by Red Bull and and uh, Verstappen. But 2021 has been a you know has been a season uh, of its own, and we've had all kinds of races. And Turkey just sort of becomes one of its own kind as well, Sonal. Simple. Will you tune in next weekend? Yes. Why? There is a battle at the top. And so do that on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium, folks. I hope you had a good time listening and watching this episode. And join us again for the next race when we preview all the other races of the Formula 1 season. And I know you'll be having a good time over there. So don't forget to subscribe, like, share, all the good stuff. And see you rather soon. Until then, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.